everyone. Hey everyone. Welcome back to Vanterly. My name is Aiden, and I'm Aditi. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us in the studio today. We have Maya Shetty, all the way from Hell's Kitchen here. Maya, you want to say hello? Hey guys, very happy to be here. I am your biggest fans, just so you know. <laughs> that means so much to me. It really does. <laughs> we do it for the fans, just like you. And now you're here, so welcome. How's uh how's life everybody? Life life is honestly pretty good. We uh yeah, I feel like we're moving up in the world emotionally. You know when you just feel happy. <sighs> yeah. yeah. That that's I I've been feeling that emotion lately. That's a which, great emotion to feel. I know, and I'm Guys, it's it's things are looking good. It is. The weather's been really nice recently. Oh my gosh, it's we've getting been getting warmer. sun. Yeah. The sun is out. It's a good time in New York City. How have you been, Aiden? Oh, I've been dandy. I've just been wonderful. Mm. Life is good. No major updates on my front, but any any pop culture news that's sticking out to anybody this week? Well, the Super Bowl happened on Sunday, and the most important outcome from that was two new Beyonce songs, <laughs> <laughs> which is huge. So she had that Verizon commercial. And yeah, with the guy from Veep. Oh my God! Yes, I love, him. I love him so much. I was so happy when the commercial ended. She said, "Verizon, drop the music," and I was like, "Is this a bit? Like, is this just part of the script of the commercial?" And then I opened Instagram, and then she was like, two singles out now," and I was like, "She's done it again." This ain't Texas. And I loved the song. She's in her country era, explains why she's been wearing the cowboy hats everywhere. We've been waiting for phase two of the <laughs> Renaissance era. Act two, we're here. And I'm very excited. They're really good. Have you heard the uh, theories that 16 Carriages was written four years ago? Because it's like 16 years of her career, and then she said like 38 summers, so she wrote it when she was 38 and recorded it like in 2020, I think. Like, during the pandemic, she recorded it, because I, I guess it was, I don't know. I, I like Beyonce. I'm not a Beyonce. What's they, what do they call them? Beehive? Beehive? I'm not in the You're Beehive. You're not in the Beehive? I'm not. <laughs> I appreciate Beyonce, but I think she's super talented, but I'm not in the Beehive. That's I'm only in the wild. Diana Agron hive. That, okay, that, uh, that tracks. <laughs> little egg, little Agron, Agronies. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. I, <laughs> I went to the Renaissance store. Oh, so you are a beehive. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge Beyonce fan. Beehive. AF. What pop culture news are you into? On the subject of music, Ariana Grande released her Yes And remix with Mariah Carey. Which I feel like was a dream come true for Ariana because she's looked up to her and they have the similar like vocals and whistle tones and it's good. I didn't like Yes And. I liked it for the vibe. Like, I like a dance, like, yes, and. Like, you're just, like, in dance to it, like, out and about. But mm -hmm. it's not my favorite Ariana Grande song. Right. That's Baby I. Good one. I like that one a lot. Mine is, I don't know, is this a deep cut? Quit? Cashmere Cat in Ariana? <gasps> I only know Adore. Isn't Adore also by Cashmere Cat? And... Maybe. Okay. 
Yeah, I'm not an Ariana Grande Ina either. Yeah, I'm me neither. <laughs> I I think that's the only song I listen to by her. Oh well, I'm a little well. bit more of a fan than that. But <laughs> anyways, I see you're laughing. That leads us into the question of the day today. Oh my gosh, that was a good segue. <laughs> I'm really on a roll with these segues. But the question of the day today is, who's your favorite comedian, Maya? This is a really tough question for me. I have two, though. One is Bobby Lee, which I was so honored to see live in Los Angeles in November. I saw him with my best friend. It made my day. I listen to his podcast a lot. Love him. The second one is Nikki Glaser because she is a big St. Louis connection. Love her podcast. Listen to her a lot. So those are those are my two big ones right now, but they change quite often. I watched Nikki Glaser's reality show about her living in St. Louis because she moved back during the pandemic. It's fun to see reality shows in St. Louis. I didn't know that about her. I don't follow Nikki yeah. Glaser at all. But who's your favorite? I talked about this before. John Mulaney has oh, yeah. always <laughs> been. I, oh, I, my, oh, it's hard to explain. Also, Bo Burnham is someone I'm obsessed with. We're going to talk about him. Who else? Hassan Minhaj. I love the classics. Ben Schwartz. He does a lot of improv. He was on Parks and Recreation. Love him. I've seen him a few times. I, yeah, I could go on and on. I'm very into comedy and stuff and it's so fun to watch i've seen everyone that i've mentioned live oh. which i feel very thankful for that's amazing what about you I'm, i wouldn't say i'm like a super comedian uh -huh, lover right. <laughs> but i made some notes of people that have just stuck out to me number one is chelsea handler i know that she might be a little controversial sometimes but i think she's funny and i really liked her special hello privilege is me chelsea Thank you for having me here tonight. My name's Chelsea Handler, and I am as white as they come. I'm filming a documentary, as you may or may not know, about white privilege. Oh. I was giggling. And also, my mom read her book one summer a long time ago called Are You There, Vodka? It's Me, Chelsea. And I remember being like, Mommy, like... What's that? Like, what's vodka? And why is she praying to it on the cover of a book? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I like her. I saw her actually host The Daily Show when they were doing those, um, this, the new hosts a week. And so she was really good in person, too. My friend introduced me to Theo Vaughn. He's crazy. No, I appreciate it. And thanks, brother. We're not racist, or I'm not trying to be. You know, I have some flare-ups and traffic, but overall, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know what to make of him, but he does a lot of stuff with Bobby Lee, right? He does. They're both oddballs. They're, Theo Vaughn's a little extreme. Theo Vaughn says extreme. the craziest things, and I'm just like, oh, okay. And then lastly, Joan Rivers, rest in peace. She said some out-of-pocket things on Fashion Police. They were very funny. That's um, crazy. But like I said, I'm not a super in, I'm not super into comedy, which is one of the reasons why we have Maya here today because she's my friend who likes comedy, so she's going to be my spokesperson for today while I sit back and watch them talk about comedy. <laughs> You'll chime in. I'll chime yeah, in. Yeah, I did my research. Yeah, that's I'm so here. exciting. Well, we've alluded to it a few times now. This episode's all about comedy. We're going to talk about different comedians. Kind of just the industry in general. I think it's a, I mean, I'm obviously biased here. I think it's a very fun space. I, personal connections, I do stand up around the city. I think I've mentioned that my friends and I, we've started a sketch comedy group. Being in New York, like there's, 
I, I feel very lucky to be here because comedy is so accessible. I didn't discover that I was interested in comedy until college. Like, I didn't realize this was a thing that people can just do mm. until I moved here, which was really, really fun. I started to go to, like, open mics and stuff, which I'll also talk about later. But, yeah, I mean, do you guys have any, like, comedy clubs that you like to go to? Because I feel like it's so rich here. It's so concentrated. You want to go first, my <laughs> You know the spots. <laughs> I do, I do. Okay, I also fell in love with comedy when I first came to college. It was definitely my brain break from studying. So I used to watch every special on HBO, on Netflix, on Hulu. So I got to know the big the big players first. And I think my first comedy club I ever went to in New York was Broadway Comedy Club. And that's when I really was like, this is something that I am going to love forever. Because it's they aren't huge names everyone's testing out material. It's, it was just a really wonderful experience to see people put themselves out there. That's so funny. I was supposed to have a show at the Broadway Comedy Club on March 9th, but then we got booked for The Pit, so I had to reschedule my BCC show. But I love Broadway. It's a great, great venue. I've never been. <laughs> what? <sorry>. No. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Uh, I've only been to uh, The Pit and The Stand. The stand is—I've never been to the stand. They, it's a restaurant, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, nice. I actually went a couple weeks ago, and we were sat in the front row. And, you know, they pick in from the front row to, like— Yeah, crap. And uh, had, some, had some moments there. I went with one of my friends who's a girl, and I told her, I was like, what if they think that we're dating? Like, I was like, ooh, what if we, like, play that up? And then <laughs> the first woman comes out, and she's like, are you guys dating? And then she stops herself, and then she says, no, you're gay. <laughs> 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 I was like, yes, I am. So we were the butt of the jokes for for quite a bit of it. But it was actually interesting because the last guy, he was crazy. His jokes were out of pocket, and he definitely crossed the line a little bit, which sometimes I like, sometimes I don't. And he, I was, like I said, part of the everybody's jokes, and he was joking about, like, gay people or whatever. Nothing that I found offensive, like I was laughing. But then at the end, this woman comes up to me, and she's like— are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. What what happened? She was like, he was just being so homophobic. I'm so sorry. Like, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I was laughing. It was fine. Because it's interesting that a lot of topics in comedy are about when comedians go too far and if they should be canceled and all that. I know there's been a lot of drama about that. Like I said, this was I did a lot of research for this week, and one of the um, comedians that I watched was Dave Chappelle. And I know that the only difference between a poor black person and a poor white person is that a poor white person feels like it's not supposed to be happening to them. <laughs> and I've never um, seen anything by Dave Chappelle before, but both of my parents have seen him live before, and they enjoy him, so I always heard pretty positive things until even even though I didn't like comedy, I heard about his trans jokes and things like that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's not good. And they've canceled people that are more powerful than me. They canceled J.K. Rowling. My God, J.K. Rowling wrote all the Harry Potter books by herself. She sold so many books, the Bible worries about her. <laughs> and they canceled her because she said in an interview, and this is not exactly what she said, but effectually, she said, Gender was a fact. And then the trans community got mad as shit. They started calling her a turf. I didn't even know what the fuck that was. But then after watching it, I feel like, yeah, I don't agree with the things he was saying about transgender people. 
Um, I'm not trying to get canceled here today, everybody. <laughs> but I could tell that he puts a lot of, like, his jokes, they had layers and deeper meanings. And I know that one of the things that he had said, I don't even know how to phrase this correctly. Or maybe I won't say it correctly. But I think he was against the whiteness of that movement and how he said, quote, in our country, you can shoot and kill a N-word, but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. And I think he was just coming out of that feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm sure he's seen a lot of horrible things in his life growing up, and he uses comedy as a way to kind of reclaim that. And I'm not saying that saying what he said about trans people was right, because I read some of the things and it was really like not funny, but I think his other stuff is funny, and it's kind of like a separate the art from the artist thing. Yeah, definitely. I was a really big fan of his. I watched his first few specials before The Closer came out, and The Closer was the special where he specifically kind of targeted the trans community for what felt like the entire special. Really, really kind of hard to watch and listen to. Um, But something that I do really admire about Chappelle that I don't think has changed is he's a really great storyteller. And I think he talks about very controversial topics. I think he will always cross the line rather than toe it. But I think there's something to say about his storytelling and kind of the points he's trying to get across. I know even though it seems like he's putting down other communities to uplift ones that he identifies with, I think that there's something to say about kind of introducing us to a gray area of topics that is is sometimes very warranted and nice to see. But not everything he says is like that. I just, what right does he have to speak about this community? Like, your job as a comedian, I think, is to draw from your unique personal experiences and make jokes about what you know. And to me, he's shown that he's, like, clearly misinformed about this community and what they've gone through the barriers that they have in society. Like, there's just no empathy. I think I feel very black and white about this, kind of similarly to our documentary mm. episode. Like, I was clearly very—I'm a hard person to convince out of my opinion. I don't think what he said was right. Uh, I don't think he should have said it. Uh, he's made jokes about the transgender community multiple times to me, showing he— not even that he hasn't learned, but that he just doesn't give a shit. Like he just doesn't care. And I'm just like, I don't need I don't need to follow someone like that. I have a general question because like I said, I just introduced myself to this world. My understanding from my research, he's always been a little bit controversial, even though I don't know how long his career has been. But I feel like it's kind of heightened now that we have this such a strong cancel culture. That I, I I don't know if it's like the time, like was he getting all this backlash back in the day? I know he probably wasn't making jokes about transgender people, but do, do either of you know? He's always been a, an extremely edgy comedian. He had the Chappelle show, which was largely successful. And he makes a joke that if you're doing the show right, legal won't ever be at your door and you'll never have to talk to them. But with the Chappelle show, he had lunch with legal every day because of the jokes he was making. And I know people really fell in love with him during the Chappelle show because I think to them, he said everything that people were too scared to think about or to say out loud, but they were thinking about. 
And it kind of gave them a space to be comfortable in having these open conversations about really challenging topics that most people, again, are afraid to say. But yeah, he's always been extremely controversial. He's always crossed the line. I will say it again. He does not toe that line. He crosses it. Um, But I think that's when a lot of maybe our parents' generation started to fall in love with him. To be fair, I've never really watched Dave Chappelle that much. I think I've seen clips of him in the past. But yeah, I think that's an interesting point that I feel like most people, like, they don't realize old material is problematic until they revisit it. Like, it's very much a time thing. But I do think in general, like like I said, these trans jokes, not, not good. Um, but I do think as, as a society, I feel like we are getting a little bit too sensitive. Chappelle has joked about this, that you can't say anything anymore that will differ from the large opinion. And I'm again, not about trans rights because that is pretty black and white for me. But I feel like now people would have to tiptoe and not even in comedy and in, in acting. Like if you made a video when you were 15 years old, like nobody's safe. I know that I have things that I made when I was a child that if it released, I would not have this platform. <laughs> I would because it's like you're you're a kid. It's not it's not horrible things, but it's just that it would be horrible to someone. It would offend someone that they would put that online and blast me and then ruin my life. And I do think there should be repercussions for you know, horrible things that are said, but I also think that we need to take into account that, like, these are all, we're all people, just, I don't, just flawed, and, yeah. I think it's interesting to put Dave Chappelle in contradiction to Bo Burnham, who I already talked about before, but if you guys have listened to his song, Problematic, from Inside... As your usual suburbanite, a tiny town in Massachusetts, overwhelmingly white. I went to church on Sundays in a student. But in Problematic, he uh, literally talks about. Uh, he talks about it in a joking way because it's a comedy special. But he talks about how he made like offensive jokes when he was a kid, and now he regrets it. And he, in so many interviews, first of all, all of his interviews are so deeply insightful. He is such an intelligent man. Yeah. He has been very reflective over his career being like, hey, I get it. I was 18. I'm a white boy from Massachusetts and I didn't know everything back then. And I don't claim to know everything now, but I think we all need to put in effort to be be better people. And he actually has spoken about PC culture a lot. And he was just like, I don't think it's like PC culture. I think it's just being a good person. Like, it's not, we're just trying not to be horrible anymore. Hassan Minhaj, also one of my all-time favorite comedians. And I don't know, you guys read the article, right? Mm-hmm. I in, did. Was it The Atlantic or The New Yorker? The New Yorker. New Yorker. The New Yorker. Oh, my gosh. I read this article, and it was crazy. For those who don't know, The New Yorker put out an article 
that was basically saying Hassan Minhaj is a liar. Critics are raising questions about Hassan Minhaj and whether he and other uh, comedians should be more truthful with their materials. A Minhaj's act often includes experiences that he says he's faced as an Asian American and Muslim American. But the comedian tells The New Yorker many of those stories either didn't happen to him or they were embellished. Hassan Minhaj, quote unquote, emotional truths. And this concept of emotional truths, he explains the jokes that he tells about and the stories he tells about, you know, trauma he has gone through being a brown Muslim man and his family, all of that stuff. They're not things that have happened directly to him, but people around him. And he understands that this is something that the community generally faces. So he talks about these stories as if they happened to him to create that personal narrative with an audience. My dad is like, you know, he's the leader of the household. So when 9-11 happened, I was a sophomore in high school. My dad sits everybody down at the dinner table. And he's like, all right, Hassan, whatever you do, do not tell people you're Muslim. Do not talk about politics. And I was like, all right, dad, I'll, I'll just hide it. Cool. Because it's more impactful for him to be like, oh, I went through these things instead of, you know, my friend, this happened to him. I was so heartbroken when I first read this article because I'm also a huge fan of his. And I also saw the tour in D.C. um, that this entire article is essentially based about. But when I first read this article, the one thing I have to mention is I could tell that there was some cherry picking involved because the quotes— If you're a fan of his, they didn't even sound like him. And we'll get to it later that a lot of it was cherry-picked. But I think from a fan, there is the political Hassan Minhaj, and there's kind of the stand-up storytelling Hassan Minhaj. He started as a stand-up in—he was from—went to UC Davis, started doing stand-up. He was originally a stand-up before he got into The Daily Show and The Patriot Act, which are all—it's all political commentary. So to me, when you go to one of his— comedy tours, you're there to see storytelling Hassan Minhaj. You're not there to go get the facts. You're not there for everything for that um, he's going to say is going to be exactly how it went. You're there to kind of be on this ride with him. And to me, when you're upset about him not being completely factual, it's kind of on it's kind of on the viewer. It's kind of on you to kind of make those understandings and put those connections together that everything he tells at a comedy stand-up, it's not always going to be exactly right. As someone who's not into comedy, I just assume that the jokes that people made are not all real. Like, I, ju- I never assume that when someone's making a joke, even if it's in a stand-up, if they have, like, a room full of people or an, an auditorium, like, I just assume that you're a performer and you're there to make people laugh, whether you're sharing... I it never Every time that I saw some, a show, I never thought, like, oh, like, this is so crazy that this actually happened to this person. And I was just like, oh, that was funny. I'm going to laugh. And um, we all watched his responding to a YouTube video, which was crazy. And not to quote Real Housewives again, but receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, freaking everything. And he really, he ate, he ate that reporter up and mm-hmm. which is, which is bad on the New Yorker's part. Like mm-hmm. that's not, how, I feel like that's very unethical. I completely agree with what you guys said and exactly how you divided up the buckets of political commentary slash journalism, and stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy is performance. It's, I feel like whenever I do stand-up, I'm like acting. Like, I, 
also fudge my stories. Like, I'll alter them a little bit just to heighten them a little bit, which is what he was saying he does too. But that's just how comedy works. I liked his point in the video that was like, if you were going to do this article and you were going to make a control group and take mm-hmm. from different things to compare to, that makes more sense just for an article. This feels more like a bashing profile, not like a, let's talk about this whole theme in comedy. It's more like, let's take this man down for doing things that everybody does. Exactly. And it's crazy because I'm pretty sure he was up for being the host of The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And I think he lost it because of that. He did. He did. And that's horrible that's because he would have been amazing. It's, he would have been amazing. He, when he was the guest host for those two weeks, he did such a great job. And people really wanted it for him because he worked at The Daily Show with Trevor. And this article, something that really, really got me in um, the video he made in response was when you can hear the reporter asking him. So there's this character, Brother Eric, which is an FBI informant, and He existed, he was real, and he would kind of go undercover in mosques and try to entrap young Muslim men and have them arrested, essentially. I'm Brother Eric. (laughs) I'm here to convert to Islam. (laughs) And my dad's like, Hassan, you see that? It's a miracle. (laughs) That's the power of Islam. (laughs) Eric, blue eyes, strong. He wants to be a Muslim. I'm like, Dad, Eric is a federal agent. And it happened all the time. And this reporter asked Hassan, did you ever think to call Eric up and tell him you were including him in a special? And to me, that showed just a complete lack of understanding. And that was, it was just kind of a line that I wouldn't expect someone to cross. Like, what do you mean? Was he supposed to call up brother Eric and ask if it was okay to put him in your special? What? Yeah, that's an absolutely insane thing to propose. And I just think generally for me, it's like, sure, these things didn't happen to him. Yeah, that's an inaccuracy, whatever. But there's no one else in his position with his following, with his platform, who's speaking on these very real things that so many people go through. Like what you think the people who are actually directly impacted by him, they're going on stage across the country, sometimes the world, like on Netflix, people are watching these stories. And Mm -hmm. I think they're able to come to a realization of like, wow, Islamophobia in this country is real and it's affecting everyone. And it's to this extent. People wouldn't know about these stories if Hassan Minhaj hadn't told them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's actually a positive that he's taking that upon himself to kind of inform the public through comedy. I hope that Chappelle can get his act together a little bit and stop with these jokes. I know that he has done a lot for the black community, but it, it, it taints it a little bit when you're making those those transgender jokes. But I, I do think that in terms of cancellation, what we've talked about a little bit, but I do you think that it's even possible to be canceled? Because I feel like no matter what, you're still going to have an audience. But... Like, who's been canceled indefinitely? I put down Harvey Weinstein, but isn't... (laughs) 
<laughs> but I was like, I can't think of anybody else. Because people like Kanye West, all those horrible things, and people still like give him a, a platform and love his music. And when he had that little album release party in Northwest mm-hmm. was singing like, it's your bestie, Miss Miss Westie. People were still like eating that up. He dropped the album. He did? He, it's out. Oh. What? No yeah. I didn't know. Is oh, yeah. the Miss Miss Westie song out? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to add it to my... I like her. <laughs> Northwest is crazy. Her Shout TikToks are silly. She's going to be something when she's oh my gosh. 10 years I'm from like now. I'm like a little bit afraid about that. I'm <laughs> excited. I'm intrigued by what entertainment's going to come out of her. But, yeah. like, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see people who get canceled. Like, what does that even mean? Like, you're still going to... If anybody has any thoughts on cancellations. Other than... You know, Leah Michelle seemed to have risen from the ashes, <laughs> which is crazy because she didn't really apologize that well. And I, I'm a fan of her now again. I forgave her. Not not speaking for the black community, but me, Aiden Taylor, forgave her for saying that she was going to shit in someone's wig. <laughs> but it's like, how do you move? Like, people move past it. It feels like you you're, have a little blurb. Your graph goes down, but then you can just go back up. How do you? yeah. I I think an interesting example of this that I've been really thinking about, Shane Gillis is a comedian who I personally, like, am not very familiar with. But he's hosting SNL, and he was actually fired from SNL because he told a lot of, like, racist and homophobic jokes. And one that I remember is, like, a crazy, like, anti-Chinese joke. It's horrible. It's so bad. And... He was fired in 2019 from SNL because of these statements that he made. How is he hosting it now? Most of you probably have no idea who I am. Uh, I was actually, I was fired from this show uh, a while ago, but if, you know, don't look that up, please. If you don't know who I am, please don't Google that. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, I think it's crazy to bring someone back like that. And I think to your point, Aiden, shows that cancel culture evidently is not real. Like, you can't fire someone and then bring them back in a more major role as a host. Like, you're basically saying that, oh, he learned his lesson after five years. We can bring him back. We've forgiven him for what he said. And I maybe I should look into his apology if that exists. Well, I looked him up, and I saw his face, and I feel like for cancel culture... It's so much easier for white men to come out of their ashes a little quicker than it is for women or people of color when they're canceled. Mm -hmm. Like um, Amy Schumer was canceled, and I feel like everybody just hates on her. And I don't really know what she did, if someone knows what she did here. Wasn't she? She was canceled, right? Yeah, Amy Schumer has so many problematic jokes. I don't like her either. Yeah, I don't know any of her problematic jokes. But I feel like like she, even if, like, she's never going to host that. Like, she's never going to get to where she was, but this guy can, like— Another one, actually, that comes to mind is Aziz Ansari. <gasps> Remember, he was re- he was pretty badly canceled. Um, I cried when I read that article. It, yeah, it was really, really upsetting because I don't remember all the details, but I know he took it. I took it a, way, a step too far. I think a woman told him no, like she did not want to be kissed, and he kissed her, and then it it came out. And I know he was canceled so badly. So, so badly. He couldn't perform at so many places. He took time off. You didn't hear about this man for years. And then his special came out, and a lot of it was centered around him reflecting on his cancellation, what happened, what went wrong. Um, So I just thought that was really interesting because I do think there's something to say about kind of brown comedians also getting a lot of those 
all of those hits. I think we need to get our cancellations in check because I think there are tears for cancellation. We can't be pouring the same energy to someone who, like, a, a tweet that someone made when they were 12 years old versus, like, James Charles listening minors or, like, let's put our energy towards canceling someone who's really, like, I feel like there should be levels to our cancellations. <clears throat> Whoever's in charge of canceling people, Twitter trolls. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes. Listen. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, I don't know, comedy in general is a very fascinating culture where I think people want to stand out. And I think a way that people think to do that is by being edgy and provocative. I mean, the amount of open mics I've gone to where I'm the only woman or brown person or both or like non-white person, like Almost every open mic, actually. It's crazy. But the jokes that people make, they're so off-color. Like, just you're living in a completely different world. I feel like the really good ones can make it to fame without, uh, instead of pushing down the backs of others. Like, no, the, yeah. the the guy that was making those homophobic and quotes jokes to me at the stand a couple weeks ago, he literally straight told the person next to me that he looked like he had Down syndrome, which is a crazy thing to say. And... So unnecessary. It's it's also just like, like, it's one of those things that you, like, laugh at because it's like, what just came out of your mouth? Not right. because, it was just like, it was like for the shock value. Yeah, definitely. Um, There's like a famous principle in at least the comedy world that I'm around where it's just like you jokes shouldn't punch down like you should always punch up which I think is exactly what you were describing right Black Lives Matter (laughs) (laughs) Happy Black History Month by the way Exactly (laughs) Oh Oh, gosh Well this was fun. This was a fun little conversation. Yeah, it was yeah. different than our other ones, I feel like. It I was think kind so, of, too. Yeah, and I, I don't, I, I like it. It's less like, oh, this movie had this, but it's like, let's talk about some shit. Yeah, let's talk about society. Oh, Maya, it was so nice Yeah, thank you for you joining on. us, Thank Maya. you for having me, guys. I loved it. I love being here. Please invite me back. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on these comedians. Share your thoughts with us on banterly at immigrantlypod.com and engage with us on our socials at immigrantlypod on Instagram and at immigrantlypodcast on TikTok. Banterly is produced by Shay Yu, written by us, the co-hosts, Aditi Misra and Aiden Taylor. The executive producer and editorial review is done by Sadia Khan. Our sound designer and editor is Steve Martin. The Banterly theme music is by Simon Hutchinson. Additional music is by Epidemic Sound. See See y'all next week. week.